be mostly dry on Thursday with some sunny spells. Undergrads and those with financial aid were most affected. The impact of the pandemic hits this age group particularly hard. Young adults are showing higher rates of depression and anxiety compared to all other age groups. You just don't know how to handle stuff at a certain point, um, and it just creates like, so much more stress. Bridget had expectations for her college experience and still feels the uncertainty now that she's a senior. I worked four years for this degree, and I don't know if I'll be able to walk across the stage here at this point. Welcome back to Tricking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Jean Bereson. I'm Khadija Booth-Watkins. One of the most difficult things about the pandemic, I mean, everybody's, we've been focusing on the pandemic. It's, it's, it's we've reached the one year anniversary. And it turns out that the, that the population that seems to be the most seriously affected are young adults college-age students, um, uh, 17, 18 to, to 26. Uh, and I want to point out that uh, while there are studies, we've just seen one that's going, going, going on um, uh, here in Boston with increased rates of uh, depression and anxiety and PTSD. One population I don't want us to forget is the population of, of, of young people that age that have not gone to college. And that's about 60% of young adults. Um, I don't know of any studies of that population. Uh, they tend to be at, at high risk for psychiatric issues, but um, we should probably address some of the stresses that they're having as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how the pandemic has affected um, young adults. But before we start, uh, Khadija, how was this week for you? This week was a pretty nice week. I was able to enjoy the beautiful weather Boston had to offer. I was pleasantly surprised, um, but it was just gorgeous out. And so I took advantage of being able to be outside and did a little work outside and just really just take it all in. So it, it was a beautiful week. What was your week like, team? Uh, well, I agree. The weather was amazing. Uh, and uh, it you know, uh, Sunday we had the whole family over, not the whole family, but a lot of the family over in masks, socially distant, but, um, we're out in the yard, uh, and, um, got to play with my puppy, uh, on a leash, of course, because she's a little too young to be running around on her own, but it was great to be outside. It was just terrific. So I guess the weather is really really nice <laughs> can't wait to start riding the bike outside it says opposed to inside so um let's start with this issue um you know college developmentally and you know young people of uh that age uh, 18 and older um looking forward to leaving home to being out on their own uh to uh, being independent, to having starting their own life, uh, whether they're at college or whether they're in a trade school or whether they're out working. Uh, and, and now we're finding that many have had to stay home. And it's really been a developmental crisis for a lot of the young people that I've talked with about this. 
Khadijah, what do you what do you think? I mean, what have you what have you seen? I, I I've just seen them really, really distressed, depressed, anxious, and um, feeling that they're not able to kind of live the aspirations that they that they wanted to have at that age. Yeah, I found them particularly devastated, and I and I would imagine kind of similar to what you said, this is where they're exerting their autonomy, trying to figure out who they are apart from their family and their parents, um, and really just trying to move along towards independence. And so now they're back home, uh, trying to really, you know, navigate house rules again, which is creating some conflict. Uh, and again, just really not being able to have that life that they, that they had imagined being on campus and being with their peers. Um, and at this stage, the peer influence is far more important than, than family influence. And that's what makes this such a devastating, uh, have such a devastating impact on them having to return home. And, and what we see with many families is that when young people come home, they're treated the way they were treated, you know, as younger people. They have rules, they have conflicts, they have bedtimes, they have curfews, they're being watched by their parents, you know, uh, which is a problem for the parents too, because, you know, some parents are looking forward to kind of having some time when their kids, you know, are sprung. So it's, it's tough on everybody. Guilty. I was guilty of that until I had to step back and say, well, look, I trusted him at school. I wasn't there. So just pull back a little bit and, and try to find the balance. So we compromised and, and negotiated some some of the house rules. But initially, I definitely was a parent who was like, this, these are the house rules, like you're back home, which didn't seem, you know, for us and our family didn't seem quite fair. But, right. you know, and I, and I also, I guess, want to mention, so while there is a big group of kids you know, struggling, there are some people who are actually thriving in this space of not being in college. Typically the, the BIPOC population and the LGBTQ because often they felt marginalized and alienated on campuses and, and even in the, the community in which they lived. And so being home for them kind of served as a respite or an escape from, from that environment that some of them maybe felt was pretty toxic where they were facing aggression and microaggressions. Um, on campus and, and, and again, in the community where they, where they lived. Yeah. It's different for different groups. I mean, uh, so for example, another group that that's had a really hard time, um, are first generation, uh, college students. I mean, uh, they have a tough time in college to begin with, and now they're having a tough time because they're kind of learning remotely. And so they really don't have a chance to kind of, enjoy the college experience the way um, they had hoped to. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very tough for them. Um, I, I found that a major issue among all of the college age students um, and, and, uh, and young adults is loneliness. I mean, uh, if, if, they, if they do get to go out, um, they can't hang out with their friends the way they used to do. They can't go to sporting events. They can't go to concerts. They can't, I mean, think about, when I think of college, and I kind of flash back to when I was in college, um, it was, uh, I mean, the social part of college was the most important. And in fact, it's the only thing that I remember from college. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I remember, I don't think I remember anything academic at all. 
I remember events, and most of the events I remember are the social events uh, that were, um, whether they were politically, I mean, a lot of them were, were politically charged for me, but, but even now, the, the young people that want to take part in climate change, in hashtag, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, in, you know, hashtag Me Too, in hashtag Never Again, and there's a lot of social and political movements that they can't participate in the way they would if they were outside of the house. Definitely college is where I think I have met, have my closest friends. I met my closest friends in college that are still my close friends today. So definitely I can imagine the, the grief and loss that they're experiencing by not being able to have that opportunity to, to continue to build relationships. You know, they might've had romantic relationships that they had to leave um, in, the, in the event of coming home because I'm pretty sure most families didn't take in the, the, the significant others. Um, so I think there, there's been a lot of grief and loss, and, and like you said, which has resulted in a lot of loneliness. Yeah, and and many of them in college that, you know, have been part of uh, activities that you only get in college, like playing on, a, on an athletic team or being a part of, um, uh, you know, an a cappella club or an acting club or, you know, an ensemble or playing in the band or um, uh, are just not there. And you can't you can't capture that online. Um, you know, I, I've been watching March Madness and thinking it's not the same. I mean, it's not the same as as, as going to see these teams playing in, per, in person. You know, we're just we're watching them kind of playing in empty gymnasiums for the most part. Um, so, not the experience we like and enjoy, and definitely not the experience I'm sure they were looking forward to having. No. And you know, another there's another issue, and that is is that <clears throat> there are a number of students um, that I know that are very um, angry and upset and worried because uh, of their peers who are not following the rules. So, for example, uh, we saw what's we see what's happening in Miami, where um, uh, the state is largely where the city is largely open where um, thousands and thousands of students on spring break are out there not wearing masks. And the students that I've talked to who specifically did not go away for spring break because they didn't want to be part of another surge are just furious that some of their peers are breaking the rules, are not socially conscious, and are a threat to their communities and to their families. Yeah, watching that footage on news was on the news was it was unbelievable. I, I had to think like, are we still in the middle of a pandemic? It was outrageous to see the kids in the street and 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 having like a real spring break as if nothing had happened. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, I did want to go back because you mentioned Black Lives Matter, and I just wanted to go back to the to the BIPOC and the LGBTQ um, students and really just think about, in addition to the fact that they are not at school, they're carrying that extra burden of uh, racism and discrimination, uh, which which is on top of being home, uh, you know, not having access to the resources and a lot of those students, especially the BIPOC group 
lose their their resources, they lose their therapy, they lose their treatment when they go home because they, they're not able to kind of continue if they got it on campus. So, so in addition to the loss of friends and, and connections, a lot of there are a lot of kids who are also losing their treatment. Uh, and I mean, there is virtual treatment, uh, which I'm doing, you're doing, we're all doing. Uh, it's not quite the same. But because, I think because of, if they go home and they live in a different state because of those limitations that are placed on um, pr providers. And I think outside of physicians, they, the, the other providers, they had much more strict regulations on you know, providing care across state lines. So I think a lot of those students who went home lost the care more so for that reason. And I'm sure there's a group that also had struggled with kind of resources around high speed internet and having the technology to, to, to log in. But I think mostly the, the issue was more so that they weren't able to kind of continue the resources. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another vulnerable population are the international students that um, are stuck. <laughs> they, they can't go home because if they go home, they can't come back. Right. And, and they're here and they're working remotely uh, when it's, it's an opportunity for them to be uh, hopefully integrated into a college campus. Uh, even though there's a lot of uh, prejudice, there's a lot of discrimination, there's a lot of um, uh, I, uh, uh, treatment of international students as being outsiders, um, there are also programs on many college campuses to help them integrate, and they can't access them as well when they're working remotely, nor can they access their families or see their families. Uh, so um, it's very tough for that group as well. Um, but the other, the, there's another issue, and that is, is that um, those who are graduating, um, uh, or those who have decided to um, not to go to college, are very worried about the job market. I mean, the unemployment rate is really high. The availability of jobs uh, is not great. Uh, and, and many of the students that I've talked with are concerned about how they will be assessed uh, by not being able to kind of have the same application process as they did, you know, had they been living in a different time. The job market is definitely a concern. I think another question that they're coming up with is, you know, do I actually go back to school? Is this going to be financially feasible for my family? You know, with all of the, the losses, you know, economically and some loss of life, like, do I need to now get a job to support my family? So I think that is also a, a stressor and, and something they have to consider in terms of um, going back to school or not. And uh, so, so some of them that I've talked to have been worried about their family members who have lost jobs, and others uh, are uh, concerned that their families are paying full fare for remote learning, which is, which they're feeling tremendously guilty about, you know, paying for, paying for college and not being able to partake of everything that they should be getting. And feeling that their parents are just paying for an inferior product. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I definitely can imagine that. Um, and, I, and I guess 
other things that college students, especially seniors, maybe not all seniors, but college students also are thinking about is in addition to what they look like on a, what their CV looks like as they apply for jobs, what is their, what do their applications look like as they apply for post, like graduate school, or if they're applying to medical school, how, how will they fare and, and how will they stand out similar to the high school students in terms of applying for college? Um, or how will they get internships to get more experience in, in, their, in their field? It's another big thing that they're, they're struggling to figure out you know, without having the, the career and college advisors and counselors kind of to be able to help guide them and lead them um, along that process. Well, it's, it's hard for them to know. Uh, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, how are they going to be evaluated for graduate school or, or to get into a, a, an internship or, or a program when they can't actually interview in person, when they don't have um, uh, the same kinds of, um, uh, you know, evaluations? Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're worried. And many of the students that I've talked with have, have said, uh, if I graduate, I don't know how I'm going to be evaluated, but maybe if I if I'm if I'm in the middle of college, should I take a gap year? Should I just take a year off? And I know a number of students who've done this, uh, because I just want to wait until COVID's over and go back for a year or two and finish up college in real time and have that college experience and work for a year. Uh, and that's that's a a major concern of of many of the students that that I've talked with. That there's a lot of big decisions they're making in the context of such great uncertainty and, and so much change in the landscape economically in terms of uh, jobs and, and those kinds of things. Um, and I guess in thinking about that, we're, we're thinking about and talking about what they're concerned about while they're taking classes remotely. I think we really need to be prepared just like we're thinking about the elementary school and the high schoolers, like what is the return to school gonna look like for college students as well? Like that, that is something that I think we really have to think long and hard about and, and, and be planful because I don't think it's gonna be easy for them either once they go in person. Yeah. So, so one question that I think uh, has come up uh, to me from parents, from guidance counselors, from professors, from administrators is how do we, what do we do? How can we help? I and mean, with these alarmingly high rates of depression, stress, anxiety, uh, suicidal thinking, uh, um, what, what can we as parents, teachers, administrators, um, clergy, uh, coaches do to help the young people out um, uh, and how can they help each other out? So what are some of the things that we need to be mindful of or, or suggest to them? I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about self-care, self-compassion, and thinking about how we can be mindful, live in the moment, which is difficult because they're, they're you know, future-oriented often, thinking about what's next, um, but really encourage them to, to live in the moment and be mindful and, and maybe even, you know, focus on the, focus on uh, a life of gratitude can also be helpful um, if, if they're able to do that. So I think just really encouraging 
them to see the positives and, and that those, those silver linings, even though sometimes they're, they're buried and hidden, but they exist. Um, that's one thing I think that, that families can do um, to support these young people. So, yeah, in terms of self-care, you know, we've, we've, uh, uh, we have talked at the Clay Center uh, in podcasts and online about um, diet, exercise, um, uh, good sleep habits, meditation. We just had Darshan Mehta talking about that in the last podcast, um, uh, yoga. I mean, so there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that students can do uh, and that we can help them uh, help them do in terms of self-care. The other thing that I've said to a number of my patients, and it's a hard, a hard pill to swallow, but don't worry about time, it's, which is a tough thing to tell a young person because they are worried about time. But, you know, um, uh, um, and I think that this is an opportunity for us to convey the message that, you know, you've got the rest of your life to finish your college. What would you really love to do for a year or two? <laughs> if, if you can... you have plenty of time to think about it because we are still kind of on standby. Um... And sometimes it's um, getting a job. Sometimes it's, it's working with younger people. Sometimes it's taking a break and, and, uh, and learning a new skill. So there's lots of things that you can do productively with your time, provided that you and your family can afford to do that. But it might be it might be a worthwhile thing to do. I, I like that idea. And I do encourage a lot of young people to, to think about how we can use this time and don't let this time go by um, having not taken, taken advantage of it. So at the end of this time, you could say, you know, this really sucked, but I learned how to speak another language or I learned how to, you know, play guitar or are re-engaged in my, my craft of like art or, or crochet. I think that is really important because you do want to look back and try to see what you've done that was productive. And then on that same line, finding something that will give you purpose, it's really, can be really helpful during this time. There's tons of things that people can do that that's safe, whether it's tutoring online or even you know, making phone calls to, to, to elderly people who can't get out. There's tons of things that people can do that give them a sense of purpose, um, which I think is also incredibly important. Really is. Uh, and the other thing is, is that um, for those who are in college, uh, there are a number of uh, opportunities. There are particularly in terms of uh, peer counseling and peer support. Uh, there are a number of groups. Most colleges have, you know, support services. Um, so talking with peers, I mean, so conversations, conversations are super important and having conversations to use this time to reflect on, um, on your own mental health, on your own upset and on plans for the future. And, uh, having these conversations with peers, with parents, with family members, with, uh, mentors, uh, with important people in your life uh, and, and getting some input. Um, uh, you know, most college students have been up to now, I should say, stressed and pressured prior to COVID. I mean, you know, the level of anxiety, stress, depression 
pre pre pandemic was pretty high, and I think largely because of the overscheduling of what it took to get into college. Everybody had to be in community service and play the violin, play Suzuki violin, and you know, <laughs> do you know, do academics and do internships and and so now we have in some sense the luxury of time and um that that might be a silver lining that might be a gift yeah. i wouldn't i mean go ahead i'm sorry now there, there's no, nothing new under the sun here you know like you said pre-pandemic we also pre-pandemic was seeing how adolescents had extended and and how you know some of these milestones were were delayed in terms of reaching that level of independence that that uh, is sought after. So I, I do think there's nothing new here. I just I guess we're just seeing a lot more of it. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that goes without saying, I mean, the other thing we've talked about before in terms of self care is uh, learning some tools to help yourself out, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, like um, collaborative problem solving in terms of having conflicts with uh, with peers or with or with family uh, are, are are valuable tools uh, and and to um, uh, you know give to others you know like you said you know you mentioned giving to some el to the elderly uh, but but making a contribution is really important I think you mentioned something, and I, I I want to highlight it, and that is purpose. So a lot of times, young people at this age are feeling, you know, um, lost. And if there is a, a purpose, a mission, uh, something that they're passionate about, they can rally behind that, and um, and then feel that they're making a contribution. So that's another yet another thing that we should encourage our young people to, to do. It's a hard time. It's an incredibly hard time, and there's still so many questions that are that are left unanswered, which just adds to the to the jazz hands that people are experiencing. And you know, it also it also is important to keep on you know the front burner the opportunity to get professional help. I mean, if you're feeling or you have a young person who's feeling excessively stressed, anxious, depressed, lonely, um, uh, there are services, and fortunately, th there are remote services, uh, they're available. And talking to a professional in mental health could be extremely, very, extremely helpful and give you a, kind of an objective uh, opinion about uh, what's going on in your life or help you see things that you haven't seen before. So this might be a really good time to, uh, to, to get a consultation and to get some counseling. Because you're not alone in this struggle. Like lots of people are probably experiencing similar and definitely professional help can help you look at things differently or, or find a different perspective. Um, but I think, understanding and appreciating that you're not alone can can help as well and if you're in college going to your college mental health services uh, is very important and if you're not in college going to your primary care physician or uh, uh, talking to a trusted uh, 
uh, member of the family who can tell you uh, or, or a community mental health center uh, will help you seek out a resource that could help you professionally and uh, uh, that that's incredibly important uh, it's a tough time but we will manage this we will get through this so Khadija as we as we often and always end what in the news has struck you as valuable or as important this week so I hate to end on a sad note, but I guess what struck me in the news this week was that there's still so much pain and suffering um, that we're, we're experiencing as a nation. And to, to speaking really to the shootings in Atlanta where you know six out of the eight victims were, were women of Asian descent. And just acknowledging how, how much in pain we are as a nation and how divided we are, um, that, that stood out to me in the news this week. Yeah, I want to echo Anything that. Anything in particular for you? Well, the same. Uh, and now Colorado. Um, we don't know very much about that mass shooting, but um, uh, the um, it's, it's, it's almost become the norm. I mean, and, and, and I, I, you know, we the nation needs Which is scary. It's really scary. And what's 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 scary about it is is that it seems that it's it's fueled by uh, by hatred. It's fueled by fear. It's fueled by um, the stark divisions that we see. I think uh, it would do everybody well to um, think about ways of healing and coming together. I mean, we all have so much in common. You know, it's what's, what's striking to me is that everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants good health care. Everybody wants um, to be approved of. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody cares about family. Everybody cares about having a good job and a good income. Uh, and uh, and being with people whom you love. So, you know, there's so much we have in common. It just makes me so upset that we can't come together yes. around these common themes, you know? And if any of you listening out there have that answer, have an answer to that, how we can all come together, let us know. <laughs> we'll post it. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll have more podcasts about it. But uh, coming together around, there's more that we have in common than we have um, in opposition to each other. So I hope we can get there. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, if you want to give us some thoughts and comments, please do. Uh, and um, we hope that our conversation will help you have yours. I'm Jean Barresi. I'm Khadija Bose Watkins.